Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Argyle Chat, the weekly Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live. Joining me this week are our podcast regulars, Chris Errington and Jack Ball. Hi, gents. Good afternoon. Hello, Stu. Not the best of days on Saturday for either of you. No, it wasn't, it wasn't the most fun. Well, I, think it lately. I must admit, Jack, I certainly felt sorry for you because yeah. you went up on the coach and left at about 20 past five in the morning, didn't you? So. Yeah, but it's not, you know, it's... I mean, I always say when I work with Chris, you know, some, it's, it's an, it must be hard for the people that pay, but it's not fun when, you know, you're, it's your job either, is it? You know, it's still a long day, you travel up the night before, you've got, you get home and then you've got hours of work still ahead of you. At least when I got home, I was home and that was it. So there's... What time did you get back? Not bad, actually, about half 11, quarter to 12. Yeah, so that was too far behind The you, run wasn't bad up or back, actually, so no, that's apart not bad. from the result, it was not yeah. a bad day and given the weather forecast as well which wasn't great yeah I didn't even really notice the bad weather I, I, maybe it's because I'm on the coach and I'm mm. not driving so I don't feel the yeah. wind but it, it wasn't raining or particularly bad I think the, the brunt of it came on Sunday didn't it so yeah it was it was a bit of a difficult drive back from Br- Bristol south like I said the wind was was quite strong there and uh, yeah I was I think the last one out at Colchester at quarter to seven on Saturday night and after a 3-0 defeat and a 310 mm. mile journey home it isn't all glamour being a football reporter, is no, it? And I did actually no. think of Chris when I was when I when I got back to Home Park and I was in my car driving my dad back to Plymouth. I did think, well, at least I'm back now. But yeah. then I did think, oh, poor Chris. He's now got to write for a, f- a few pieces when he gets home. or get up early Sunday morning and write a few pieces. So, you know, you've got you've got to go create a football journalist up and down the country. I think, who've, especially in the lower leagues, this is not far, far from glamorous. Most it's, of the time. I was sat in the press box. It got quite cold by six quarter mm. quarter to seven sort of thing, and. Uh, it was chilly. Fortunately, somebody left the lights on so I could see what I was doing, but uh, there was no one else around. Uh, I managed to find my way out to the, to the entrance and they've got one of those buttons which you tap and then it releases the, the lock. Um, and out I went and the car park was virtually deserted. I literally did not see anyone was leaving. So hopefully that door relocked it. <laughs> Otherwise, anyone could have walked into the job serve community stadium on Saturday night. So... I've been in that situation myself, and it's quite eerie, actually, isn't yeah, it? When it you're is. the last person in yeah. the stadium, you hear all sorts of funny noises. And I've heard people say before, when you're on your own in the stadiums, it's, you still feel like you can hear the crowd, which is a bit a bit bizarre. It's, mm. it, it's they're really atmospheric places, though, aren't they? Football grounds, you know. It's... Yeah, and you're right by the A12 there, so you've got the constant background of the traffic. <laughs> you heard the humming during the game, actually. It was quite mm. it was quite bizarre. But yeah, it, it shows you how bad the game was. That here that we are spending <laughs> the first few minutes of the podcast. <laughs> Talking about sitting in an empty stadium. Yeah. Right, well, before Move we on, came on, on, I did say to you both, this is your chance to uh, yes. get it off your chest, a cathartic exercise for you both. Mm-hmm. Was 3-0 a fair scoreline, Chris? It certainly doesn't Should we sound... go with the, 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 the reporter or the fan first? Well, I've got you first, okay, so we'll right. go to Jack afterwards. Okay. Um, what was the question against you? <laughs> <laughs> was, was it as bad as the scoreline suggests? Was it as bad as the scoreline suggests? I think you could probably say... It was worse than the scoreline suggests because 3 0 on paper you know, is, a, is a defeat and it's not a great defeat. But um, 
Argyle were 3-0 down at half-time. They'd had, Colchester had had a shot against the bar, shot against the post, had one cleared off the line. So, could have been six up if, if all of that gone well. Mm-hmm. And in the second half, Leo Robinson was on a mission not to score a hat-trick um, with some decent chances that he should have scored one of them at least. Um, so, on another day, Argyle could have lost that one 5 or 6 nil quite easily, in my opinion. Jack? No, I totally agree, I think. It was very, I don't know if we're talking about it later on, it's, it's very reminiscent of the Exeter game for me, except for it was a lot further away. <laughs> you know, the fans were in very good voice, I'm sure Chris could hear them from, they were sat, from where Chris was sat at the start of the game. But from the very first few moments, Argyle never really got going. Then they went 1-0 down, then 2-0 down, and 3-0 down. And fair credit to the Argyle fans, because they were singing the whole game. You know, even in the second half, when it was quite clear they weren't going to get back into it. The most disappointing thing is, I think, that it was just every player, I think, had a really bad performance. And there are some positives to that, possibly. But Colchester were by far the better team. And it's just a shame that, again... Nearly a thousand fans. I don't know what the official term was. Over a thousand in the end. With one thousand and thirty-seven. So travelled. I know mm. some would have come from London and some mm. elsewhere, but a lot of them would have come from Plymouth, and that's the most disappointing thing when you travel so far. I know it's a risk you take with football, but it was hugely disappointing, and you just got to hope they bounce back. And if they do, it would be damage limitations. I think. Yeah, we had a lot of people sending in questions and basically saying, "Is it just a blip, or is this, or has this been coming?" So it does sound like there are a few fans out there that are slightly concerned by the performance. Um, yeah, it was a real collective off day. And in some respects, that's not a bad thing. If, it, if it's a few individuals and you still got beaten heavily, that's one thing. But they, they just all play badly. I'd, I'd be surprised if that happened again soon. I think Jack's right. It was just like the Exeter City game. Mm. Argyle could have lost any score you liked at Exeter that day. Uh, and they all played poorly. And it was exactly the same against Colchester. And I suppose the, the positive way you've got to look at it is that after losing to Exeter and playing that badly, they did go on a really good run. And now they, the, the trick for them now is to try and, uh, you know, 16 games of the season to, to finish strongly and use this as, um, as a wake-up call, call it whatever you will. And they've had some accolades and deserved for the run of form they've been on. You know, the manager won the manager of the month award for, for January, rightly so. Luke Jeff got one player of the month for January, rightly so. Um, but you you can't get ahead of yourself, you can't use all these awards and, and, and accolades that you're getting individually and collectively to, to distract you from the task in hand, which is picking up points game after game after game after game. And uh, they just had a really poor day. So was it a blip? I suppose you'd say the last couple of games uh, before that, uh, Stevenage and Crawley were a bit of a struggle, mm. um, but nothing like Colchester. Uh, against Crawley and Stevenage, there were good performances in there, w- uh, with a few sort of shaky ones on Saturday. I just uh, it was everyone. I think against a uh, Mansfield, you could include as well, because Mansfield, mm. if they had had better and Newport strikers, but. The fact is, Argos had their good moments, mm. whereas in Colchester there was literally no good moments at all. I don't think maybe one, possibly a tight Bakinson, Bakinson. How do you say his name? Bakinson. It I is think. Bakinson. I think so. I, people commentators saying Bakinson. Mm. I thought it was Bakinson, mm. but there we go. But he had a good <laughs> chance, and that was probably the only chance of the game, really. I, Although if he'd scored that, I mean, this is ifs, buts, yeah, maybe's, yeah. and all that sort of thing. But goals do change games, cliche number, whatever. But that would have made it one-one, mm. and then who knows what happens. And then, what, three or four minutes later, it's 2-0. And then um, six minutes later, it's 3-0 and it's game over. And 
we could have all left and, and headed home then, couldn't we? It just seems to me that confidence can be very fragile with this team sometimes. I think if they fall behind, and not all the time, but in certain games, if, if one or two players seem to perform badly, it seems to affect everyone. Like Alex Palmer's kicking was atrocious. I mean, there was one incident where he went to throw the ball out, and he, I don't even know how you can... He went to throw it, and it sort of bounced down. I don't know how you throw a ball like that, but it's everything that was going wrong. And I'm not criticising Alex Palmer too much. He's had a fantastic season, but it just emphasises the point that even the basics weren't being done very well. Niall Canavan was turned far too many times, as was Scott Wooten. It was, it was just dreadful all round. And you just hope that they've all done it at the same time. Mm. Ryan Lowe gives them a bit of a kick up the backside and they get going again. Because if you take the performance away from it and just look at the results, the run isn't that bad. And if they go on a decent run again, it's, it's not that bad. One thing I would say, as bad as Argyle were, and they were bad, I was really impressed with yeah. Manchester. Yeah, They'd been on a 16-game unbeaten run. Then they went up to Cambridge... And I think they thought they were going to win that one easily and they lost 2-1. Maybe a little bit like Argyle were at Colchester. So they'd had a defeat. They needed to come up with a response. And I thought that they were arguably the best team I've seen play this season. As good as Swindon were at Home Park on New Year's Day. Um, Their attacking play was excellent. It really was. Callum Harriott was outstanding. If I was doing a war for best opposition player that I've seen against Argyle this season, he would win it. He caused Argyle all sorts of trouble and it highlighted the George Cooper at left wing-back issue and when you play against good teams with good attacking players, is that an area that Argyle need to address? Mm. And with Callum McFadden coming on as a half-time sub, that might be a change that, that is made yeah. going forward. Well, but, we'll but, talk about that okay. in a bit, Chris, because um, that is something that someone, yeah. someone else has asked. But Dave, of quality. Yeah, it yeah. certainly sounds that way. Mm. Dave Searle, yeah. um, just picking up on something that Jack said a minute mm. ago as well, and it, it coincides mm. with what Dave Searle says. Defence seems OK when the usual line-up, um, but take one of them out and they play like strangers. This has been the Achilles heel for some time. How big a miss was Gary Sawyer? Maybe, maybe Gary Sawyer is that vocal sort of... Well, he's the captain, isn't he? he you know, he's the experience I don't, in that pati- I don't think he's particularly vocal. I mean, he's, a, he's an organiser. <coughs> yeah, I don't think he's yeah. like a, a baller and a shouter and things like that. I, I think you miss... Any time you've had a settled unit and you take something out of it, it's going to have an effect. I asked Ryan Lowe how much of a miss Gary Sawyer was. And he started by saying he didn't think it was that big a miss, although you know he accepts that Gary Sawyer's done well for Argyle this season. But one thing he did say, which I thought was interesting, was that he... He, he wondered about the, the communication and the understanding on that side. And with George Cooper being the left wing back and having trouble with Callum Harriet and Josh Grant coming back into his first start for quite a while, maybe the, the, the communication and the understanding between those two players wasn't as good as it needed to be. And Callum Harriet has been playing on the left side for Colchester quite a lot this season. Mm. And he was switched to the right side. Now, I don't know for sure, but I suspect that John McGreal, the Colchester boss, thought, yeah, that's an area we can get at between Josh Grant and George Cooper. Get Harriet in behind there. And so I think that's maybe where Gary Sawyer was amiss. Although if you go back to the Newport game, Jack, look at the problems that Jordan Green caused mm. in a very similar position to Callum Harriet, And it led to Gary Sawyer being sent off for a foul on Green. So I do think that is an area that opposition teams are going to look to exploit now. I, I, I also, we've said on the podcast before, I think Argyle's biggest problem is they struggle with pace I don't think the defenders have got any pace about them and if you've got players running at them they struggle you know there's a lot of teams in this league that don't have such forward and fast running defenders that cause that many problems but like Chris said with Newport and now 
at Colchester that you've had two very quick players running at the team and it seems to throw their head all over the place and don't seem to know what they're doing. The marking goes off because they're so concentrated on one person. I mean, there, there were times against Colchester where there were three or four people around him and he still kept the ball. I, and then other people get space. It felt like Argyle were playing with 10 men for a lot of that game. It felt like Colchester had an extra man on the pitch. And Chris is right. Sometimes you just have to give credit to the opposition team. I think they were by far the better team. Their game plan worked and they deserve praise for that. Matthew Pinney's asking or, or saying he really hopes the fans stick behind the manager and the players coming to the business end of the season. Was there any negativity towards the I players? Would, or, I would argue that that's exactly what they did on Saturday. I was actually quite surprised at how vocal the fans were in support of the Argyle team in the second half because believe me, the players gave absolutely nothing for the fans to cheer for in that game. Across the season, of course they have. Yeah. You know, the fans were cheering, we're going to win 4-3, all the, all the typical chants like that. Um, we, we are Argyle you know we're going to still going to go up all that type of stuff and they were trying to support them I'm glad you, you know, censored that we're 3-0 down who gives her we're super hard goal we're going up we, so, we haven't got a bleep machine so that could have been difficult so, so you know but, but so they were they were chanting and, and afterwards actually when the final whistle came I was I'm always interested to watch what the players do after the final whistle comes you know we all know what Ryan Lowe does after a win you know especially at home and I was watching and he came over and he was clapping and then he put his hands up almost as if to say, I'm sorry, I know this isn't acceptable, yeah. I'm sorry. And then walked off very quickly. Well, and he, that's, and that's, he did apologise, didn't he? And it, he did, he, he said he apologised. But I, I saw that bit as well. I've got a little bit of video of it as well, Jack. And he was on the pitch quite soon after the final whistle and he was making sure that the players went across, there was nobody sloping off to the dressing room. Um, so I thought the fans sat behind the team well, given the fact they didn't have a lot to cheer about. And the manager made sure that they went across, and um, I think quite a few of the fans had left by then. But you know, the fans that had stayed behind, mm. um, he made sure that they uh, they they applauded them. Yeah, it was a bad day. But before that, they'd won eight eight and drawn one of their previous ten games. You know, you, you they're a League Two team. Mm. Even even the very best teams, apart from Liverpool, it seems lose games. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's about now, how you respond. Isn't now it? is how you respond. That was a bad day. You put it to put it to bed. Now, what is the response going to be? And that's, that's the more important thing, I think, than you know, losing one game 3-0, although it wasn't great fun. And I do think sometimes people in general can overcomplicate things. I think sometimes you just have to accept a defeat for a defeat. I, I, I get that there's analysis to be done, I get that, but sometimes I think too much can be thought about these things and people don't just take it on what it is and it's just a bad game and a bad day and a bad defeat. Yeah, Sinai is saying it hurts as we seem to fall to pieces against the top teams. Well, the results aren't that bad against some of them. We drew Swindon away to Swindon. You know, we we beat Bradford. We've we beat Crew on the opening day. I think Colchester are on a very good run of form. Like like Chris said, they lost their last game. They wanted to come back, and if I got responding that way as well, then it would quickly be forgotten. Um, you know, there was there are some wrongs to be put right, and the good thing is there are two games coming up, which we'll talk about in a bit, that are quickly coming up. So you've got a chance to put that to bed. I yeah. wouldn't fair to say, I don't think it's fair to say they're crumbling against the top team, but I don't think that's a fair assessment really. Well, the stats do kind of back that up, I suppose, you know, because as you say, I've got to beat Colchester at home, didn't they? So, um, yeah, yeah, very early in the season. Yeah. I, I just think sometimes you're just not on your A game. On your game, no. Scott Wardle, uh, Argyle will be fine. Injury and suspension list is bad, can't have it easy, and it wouldn't be Argyle if everything <laughs> went their way. Well, there's a truth in that, Scott, yeah. <laughs> you're not wrong. Um, Spoken like a true football fan. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, you, you're without your skipper, which isn't ideal. Um, he's out for another two games. Uh, Injury-wise, uh, there is a little bit of 
light at the end of the tunnel and the fact that Ryan Taylor and Callum McFadden came on as half-time subs and, and did okay. They've been out, both of them, for the best part of two months. So you've got a couple of extra players um, that are available for, for selection. Uh, some fans might question whether Ryan Taylor is, is the answer. Uh, I thought he did okay in the second half. I think he, when, you've, when you've got those two big physical centre-backs like Colchester have and like lots of teams in, in League 2 have, Sometimes you need somebody that can just put their body on the line and, and, and hold the ball up, win the ball. Um, Ryan Hardy and, and Luke Jofkop, I'm not sure that's a natural, ideal partnership. You know, they're both looking to sort of make runs and who's going to hold the ball up in those? Unless you're playing, unless you're getting good quality possession where you know you can play the ball through from them to make runs, I'm, I'm not sure that's an ideal partnership. Um, although they've it's, both been scoring goals and, and maybe away from home you need somebody that's, uh, that's going to play with their back to goal hold the ball up and, and get, get your other attacking players involved into the game is it, a, is it an ideal partnership in terms of the way that Ryan Lowe wants to play his football though because obviously there's well, a lot yes. said about the way he yes, wants if, to play if you can implement your style and they want to yes I think it is but they couldn't implement their style of play on uh, Saturday, so that's maybe where a plan B, something like that, comes into play. But Fadzen, you know, I, I, I don't know how fit he is. He played 45 minutes on Saturday after being out for two months. But at the start of the season, he was really good as a left wing back, both in terms of going forward, but defensively. Now, the, it's a real dilemma. Jack, I don't know, what would you do? George Cooper has been excellent this season. He's been assisting so many goals that he deserves to be in the team. But defensively, there is that worry that the opposition teams have sussed it and are going to keep exploiting it until Argyle do something about it. So what do you do? Do you bring McFadden back, who is good going forward, but not as good as George Cooper, but is better than George Cooper defensively? And if you do bring him back, what happens with George Cooper? I don't, I don't think there should be too much panicking. I don't think we should be... Tearing or Ryan Lowe should be tearing up everything he's done over the last few weeks that's had him nominated yeah. for the last three months as manager of the month that has won five, was it five successive away league games yeah. bef- before this one based on one bad performance. Now, I know they've not been at their best in recent weeks, but they've been grinding out wins. And had maybe the front few been better on their game, they would have scored goals and there, there wouldn't be so much pressure on the back, the back few. Mm. So, and I also feel like, yes, George. Cooper is obviously not the best defensively, but I do believe there's still three centre backs that could help out a bit more. Yeah. You know, when you play four four two, you've still got your two your two left and right backs that go forward, and you're left with just two defenders. You've also got a defensive midfielder that could be doing more to help out in those scenarios. So I don't think it's all fair to be placing it on George Cooper, although clearly he's not the best defensive player. Chris is right; you can't take him out of the team. His assists speak for themselves from set pieces. You need it. I think if the front half of the team are doing better, there's less pressure on the back half of the team, less panicking. And the Ryan, we know Ryan as a manager that would rather win four three than win one 0 mm. So I don't think you're ever gonna, he's ever gonna bring in a team to to park the bus. Yeah. I don't think that's him. That's ever. a good point, Jack. The, the three central defenders and the holding midfield player needed to do better on Saturday. Full stop. Yeah, they didn't do their jobs well enough. And um, I suppose it's highlighted when you see Callum Harriet running in behind George Cooper again, uh, and George Cooper got booked for a really cynical yeah. tackle didn't he as Harriet flew past him for the umpteenth time and uh, you could see how frustrated he was about the situation but yeah you know sometimes the midfield the holding midfield player needs to do a better job you know the left side is central defender so yeah there's, there's 
selection issues for the game on Tuesday against Salford, that's for sure. It'd be interesting to see if he just says, this was a one-off, I'm yeah. going to keep faith with the team, as Jack rightly said, been a fantastic one. Mm. Been on the super eight wins and one draw from ten games is a brilliant run of form. So but, it is important not to overreact and then make all these changes that yeah. you're perhaps not totally <clears throat> convinced about just for the sake of making and changes. And the, the one thing I would change is I, I would put Byron Moore back up top and I would take Ryan Hardy off and put him on the bench. He's been far better as an impact player for me. I'm not, I'm not convinced he's fully fit yet to be playing as many minutes as he has been. Well, well, moving Edwards over to that. You could put Joe Edwards right wing. Let's, let's yeah. discuss yeah. the, the yeah. sort of potential changes yeah. for Salford in a minute. Um, another question we've got from a, from a reader here, David Neal. Danny Mayer lost the ball for the third goal, not the first time this has happened this season. Is it a case of him trying too hard after last season's hype and being touted as a massive signing? It's, it's, it's funny, actually, because over recent weeks, people have started to notice Danny Mayer's contribution a little bit more, you know, because he's been, a lot of the times, he assists the assist, which I know doesn't get any records, you don't get any accolades for that, but you still need someone to sort of... Yeah. Make that the attacks. He did make a bad mistake on Saturday. He did give the ball away very poorly. But I think people are being overcritical because he's not scoring many goals. You know, and it, perhaps it wasn't helped that Brian Lowe said he was better than Graham Carey at the start of the season because Graham Carey got goals and, and Danny Mayer's not getting goals. So maybe there is, there is... I'm sure he's hard on himself. I'm sure he's a perfectionist. I'm sure he's getting frustrated that he's not doing more. But I think he's not as bad as a lot of people are making out because I think him and George Cooper have made a very good partnership he made a very good partnership with Callum McFadden earlier on in the season and I think he's integral to a lot of what Argyle do and going forward and I think he's a fantastic player overall doesn't possibly get the credit he deserves yeah when he was out of the team the other, the other mm. game I can't remember which one it was now Jack it, you noticed the difference yeah definitely I, I think he's having an okay season I don't think he's been outstanding but I think he's created and been involved in a lot of Argyle's best play I do <laughs> I agree, Jack. You know, comparing him to Graham Carey at the start of the season, in hindsight, was probably not the wisest thing to do because you compare what Graham Carey did in League 2 for Argyle and what Danny May has done so far, and Graham Carey was much more uh, effective. Mm. Uh, lots of assists, lots of goals. Um, but if you ignore the sort of comparisons with Graham Carey and, and say that Danny May is a slightly different player in the fact that he... He more often than not plays in the centre for Argyle, whereas Graham Carey had that freedom to, to go out into either position. I, th- I think he's done fine. It was a bad mistake for the goal, but I think every player made a bad mistake yeah. on Saturday. His cost cost them a goal, but there were plenty of other mistakes that could easily have led to other goals as well. So I, I don't know Danny Mayer at all. I've never, I met, I've never met the guy, but I get the impression that he's pretty hard on himself. That's the impression I get, you know, yeah. and his confidence can drop, I think, sometimes. Because he had a free kick as well, didn't he? Mm. Which didn't even get over the wall. And it's, it's, I get the impression from, from a distance that he's very hard on himself and he lets that get to him a bit too much. Is, how, how does his role for Argyle compare to that of Graham Carey? As you say, Graham Carey was given a free role to play pretty much anywhere he likes. Seeing the goals from Saturday, it looked as though Danny Mayer plays a lot deeper than Graham Carey was, you see. Well, when you think they're playing the 3-1-4-2 and he's one of the two centre midfielders in the four, so he can get forward. Um, and when Argyle are playing their possession game and through the thirds, then he spends an awful lot of time around the, uh, around the edge of the pen- opposition penalty area. Um, it's a very different style of play that Argyle have under Ryan Lowe to, to, to Derek Adams, where Kerry was usually the left or the right, or sometimes the number 10 in behind the lone striker. So I suppose in theory, Grant Kerry was perhaps a little bit further up the pitch, but, but Danny Mayer at home spends an awful lot of time 25 yards out with fans screaming in to shoot, doesn't he? Well, I mean, the two things I say about Danny Mayer is firstly, one, if you take out Danny Mayer's contributions 
have a look at how little our goals are going yes. for this season. Yes. Somewhere along the line, whether that's winning the ball involved. back, whether it's passing to go on the break in the first place, he's involved Taking somewhere. an opposition player away to give somebody yeah. else the freedom to get the shot of the crossing because opposition, opposition's respect him. Yeah. They definitely. make sure they're trying their hardest to stop him playing. We didn't play him in one game because he, mm. he knew that the opposition was going to take lumps yeah. out of him. Mm. You know, that, and, and there was a few clatterings he got on, on Saturday. Mm. The, the, other, the other thing I would say about him is he's not on penalties. And I think sometimes if you're not scoring goals, if you are on penalties like Graham Carey was, mm. it's, in the back of your head you're still getting goals when you get those chances. Yeah, he's not got any of them. So maybe that's, you know, that's, a, that's <coughs> a pressure that he's got because he's not getting the penalties and not getting the goals to his name. He's probably feeling that pressure more and more which Graham Carey didn't have. So those are the two points I'd make on that. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll discuss more Argyle um, after the break. Jack, you're going to take us into the break with your halftime teaser. My latest teaser, which I noticed someone commented on your Facebook Live that it was a very good edition. It might have been me that commented that. <laughs> Jack's mum. <laughs> no, it wasn't no, it was me. Jack. I couldn't even get my family to agree. My family don't even listen. So there we go. Right. Come on, Jack. Okay. So the next. This is the next one. I've, okay. got, I've got one of the clues that I will save for after the break as well. Okay. Clue number one. He was born on March the twelfth, and I like this question because I see Chris's maths head working <laughs> he was born on March the 12th 1960 okay so that's 40, 50 years <laughs> he made his football league debut in 1975 for a club he would go on to make over 300 appearances for he is still that club's youngest ever league debutant oh do you think you know who it is already yeah oh, don't give it away just yet that's very quick do you think you know who it is no not yet oh. I could be wrong but I've, I've, got, yeah. an, I've got an idea in my head but um, I well, you can tell me at the end okay. whether you, it was a player that you thought it was. He still he only played for five teams, with Plymouth Argyle being his third. Third. His third. He signed for Argyle on March the twentieth, nineteen ninety, for fifty thousand pounds. Are you doubting yourself, or are you still? I'm not. I'm, yeah. He made eighty-four appearances for the Pilgrims, scoring five goals. Oh, I'm beginning to doubt myself now. He retired at the end of the nineteen ninety-three nineteen ninety-four season. And this is the last clue before the break, and I'll give another clue. He won five caps for England youth and played at the 1978 European Under-18 Championships. No, I haven't got a clue. So we'll go to the break, and then we'll come back after with another clue that might give you the answer. Okay, go on, go for it. Well, welcome back to the second half of the podcast. I still have not got a clue. Oh, I've still Chris, got this vague idea, but I'm not sure. So, so I'll give this one last clue. Well, hang on, let's, yeah. let's just go through. Okay. So he's six, about 69, did we say? 59. 59, sorry. Okay. Shall I say a name? We'll go to the last clue first. Okay. And then you say who you think it was. Okay. He's well known in Plymouth sporting circles. Yeah. Whether that be young footballers. Yeah. Plymouth Raiders. Oh, I know it is. Or readers of the Herald. Well, yeah. Do you know who it is now? Well, I was going to... Friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. (laughs) Danny Salmon. Yeah. Is that who you thought it was? Well, that, well it's easy for me to say this now, <laughs> isn't it? I know, that's why I was, I was prepared to own up. But after I, clue three, your club's, he's still that club's youngest ever league debut. Yeah. Correct, because Danny was 15 and however many days it was. So, so, so what, I three, mean, what threw you off, Danny? What made you not... Uh, what was the clues after that? You the five goals. He scored five goals. Yeah, I wasn't sure he scored as many as that, five goals. That's according to Greens on Screens, don't blame me if that's wrong. Right. Um, I'm sure it's right, they're very good on Greens on Screens. When you said he's the youngest player, that but it's easy for me to say that. You have to take my word on it. I mean, it's up to you. But <laughs> when you said this club's youngest, youngest player, I, I, I thought That's Danny, thought 59, 15. Yeah. But, there we go. but I didn't say it well. 
No, but you can't say because it, it gives it away for everyone else. I but was, we trust you. I was beginning to doubt myself when you. The more clues you <laughs> five got, five goals. No if Danny ever hears this podcast, he'd be furious. <laughs> won't I, I remember he came onto one podcast and didn't even remember one of the winning goals. No, it was Forest. Forest in the League Cup, wasn't it? That we spoke about that time. Don't remember that one, though. Did I? Right. Excuse me. Before we go back to our goal, let's just. Briefly mentioned Plymouth Parkway and what a fantastic result it was for them at the weekend. They beat West Auckland 2-1 in the FA Vars. They're into the quarterfinals and three games from Wembley. It's, it's been incredible to see from afar. I can't claim to... I've not been to Parkway very much in my life. I, I, I've spoken to the manager a couple of times. I've spoken to the owner a fair few times. And they're, not, they're a good club and I, I wish them all the best. It's nice to see them doing well. I love seeing those types of pictures that are on the back page of the Herald today. Mm. Was there was another one on the back page of the Herald a couple of times last week when they're all celebrating. That's real football really, isn't it? You know, people dedicate volunteers, the players, they dedicate so much time for, based on passion. It's not about money, is it? It's not about huge accolades, no. but they've now got the chance to get an accolade or, you know, and they're making history and it's, it's great and to see. Especially at this moment in time as well, where there's so much talk about replays and too many games. Parkway got nine games to play in 29 days in, in February and mm. Lee Hobson manager said to me, oh, we just get on with it. You know, we love playing football. That's what it's all about. And that is what it's all and about. And it's a shame it's become detached, I think. That yeah. The love for the game has been Absolutely. lost. In case people are wondering why they're three games from Wembley when they're in the quarterfinals, there's yeah, two legs two in semi-finals, semi, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I didn't want people thinking, <laughs> thinking your maths is <laughs> a bit rubbish, <laughs> well, I proved in the, in the uh, teaser a minute ago, I was <laughs> 10 years out with the game. Yeah, Danny won't be happy, you no, exactly. 69. No, that's right. Um, Partway is fantastic. I'm delighted for Mark Russell, for Lee Hobbs, Carl Curtis, everyone there. Um, fantastic. Well done, guys. Um, They've put a lot of work into that football club over recent years to get it where it is now. They could have stayed in the South West Peninsula League. They could have sort of, you know, won a few league titles in that. But they they decided to to commit to trying to work their way up the football pyramid. You know, they're in this Western League. Hopefully, in the not too distant future, they'll get into the Southern League. They're heading in the right direction. From an Argyle chat point of view, of course, lots of their players have got Argyle connections. Have been in the Argyle yeah. youth system of. Have, have played in youth teams and, and come through the ranks there so it, it's it's great to see them having having success uh, with Parkway and um, I'm sure there have been a lot of Argyle fans there yeah. on Saturday as well because there was a big crowd down yeah, there yeah Ryan Lowe put a nice tweet out sort of encouraging yeah. people to get along and, and wish them well and uh, I know you, Stu and, uh, and, and I are hoping to get along to a, a Parkway game in the not too distant future yeah, it's difficult with Argyle and all our, our work commitments but it'd be good to get down there lovely new clubhouse that they built not that long ago so if you've never been to Belifo Park and watched a Parkway game and you get the chance I would recommend it you'll get a friendly welcome the clubhouse is great and um, and the football's pretty good as well yeah well hopefully they get a home draw in the quarterfinals fingers and, crossed uh, yeah we'll find yeah. that out later I was just, on just say as well you know from an Argyle perspective the higher up they can get the better for Argyle as yeah well. the sending players out on loan exactly and at the moment they're probably at a level which is a bit too low but they've got high ambitions and I look forward to the day where Plymouth Argyle and Plymouth Park we're both in the Premier League they're the new Man City Man United <laughs> and there's fierce rivalries I can't wait for that right let's move Hang on, on. <laughs> <laughs> it is only water in my drink <laughs> Um, so we've been speaking about Argyle tactics, things like that. Mm. Um, obviously, there is the chance to to bounce back up at Salford on Tuesday night. Mm. What needs changing, if anything needs changing? Uh, they need to um, get focused on the the final sixteen games. Not think about it long term, but they are where they are. They're in a good position, just outside the automatic promotion places. They've been on a good run of form. They need to sit down and say. 
Saturday wasn't good enough. We all know that. We've got to come together, work hard and make sure we finish the season strong. Um, maybe the mindset wasn't quite right on Saturday because, as Jack said, it was pretty clear from early on in that game that they, they weren't really at the races collectively. So I'm prepared to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that was just an off day. There's no reason why a team that before that had won eight and drawn one of their previous 10 games, there's no reason why they can't go on another good run. Now, I'm not diminishing the fact that Salford away and Crewe at home in the next two games are, are difficult games. Salford have got some really talented players who have played at a higher level and um, that will not be easy. Uh, Tuesday night in Greater Manchester, it's going to be cold, sleety. This is a real test of, of your character. You've been to Colchester, a long trip. You've come off a 3-0 defeat. You've got to jump straight back on the bus, go up to Greater Manchester. It's going to be cold and, and you're going to be up against a decent team. There might be a few old familiar Argyle faces in the Salford lineup. You know, Carl Leatheran, Oscar Threlka, Jake Jervis were all there. They made some good signings in the January transfer window. James Wilson, the uh, yeah. X-Man United striker. They even signed Darren Gibson last week, didn't they? He's a free agent. Yeah. So, um, and then Crew on Saturday, you know, we'll worry about on, on Saturday. But again, a, a, a good, talented side. So it's important that Argyle regroup and get some good points from these two games coming up. Yeah, I wouldn't change too much at all. Going back to the, going back to the question, I wouldn't. The only thing I've, I've like I said, I think about changing is maybe moving Byron more up top with Luke Jeffcott maybe and putting Edwards on the on the right wing. I think and taking Hardy out of the team altogether then. And put him on the bench. He's been great coming off the bench. I think he's been better off the bench. And maybe at the moment he's he's not quite fully fit. And maybe he's best as an impact player at the moment. Well, that's a fair point, Jack. That, that, He's Ryan Hardy's been better coming off the bench than when he started games. And I think Byron Moore's got, despite his age, he's got a lot of pace. And, you know, if you can whack the ball at the top, or Luke Jeffcott's not awful at, at passing the ball on, I think that might work better. I would keep Cooper in the team at left wing back. At the moment, it's one game against Colchester. I wouldn't rip that all up. His assists have been fantastic this season. Oh. And my one worry was if you took him out and put Mufadzin in, there's suddenly a lack of balls going into the box that are there for Jeffcott and Moore or Hardy, whoever plays. To finish and f- from free kicks as well. What about the centre halves? Obviously, Gary Sawyer suspended. Do you stick with Josh Grant or I read the story that you yeah. did about Will Ameson. I mean, what, a, what an awful situation yes. for him. It sounds like he's been in real pain this season. Yeah, he's, he's really issues. struggled and it sounds as though he's getting there. But um, at one point in the season, you know, Ryan Lowe was saying that he was struggling to get out of bed in the morning yeah. as he was in so much pain. So that does make you realise the difficulties that players face. Um, and when they're not in the team, you, you almost sort of forget about them. But in, in the real world, they're, they're struggling and suffering. Um, yeah, Josh Grant, with Gary Sawyer out, re- realistically, that's, that's your back three. So I'm sure that Ryan Lowe will be emphasising the points that, you know, we need to be aware of this. And the, the holding midfield player and the left-sided centre-back need to be prepared to help out George Cooper. I agree with you, Jack. I would, I would keep him in the team, absolutely, because he's... Yeah. he's possibly their best creative player. So uh, you keep him in the team, you don't take him out of the team, but it's clear that the opposition are going to target that area, so you need to be prepared to deal with that. Argyle have showed great characters over this season. Mm. After the Exeter game, as Chris said, they came back and they got some very good results. They've proved that they can do it, and I'm sure Ryan Lowe would have given them a talking to. Well, he said to you, didn't he? Home truths. truths, is the expression he used. And I'm sure there'll be a response. Uh, you mentioned earlier as well, Chris, that Ryan went to a back four yes. second half of Colchester. Yeah, very well. Is rare. that potential for the game at Salford? I mean, no, I don't. bring him up, fancy a left back and then George Cooper further forward? I, I don't think so. I asked him about that and he said one of the problems with playing four at the back is that we never practice it. And what they've got back from Colchester at 
midnight. They Kevin's might have cheat over the second half. Well, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> what I'm saying is that they'll have had no time on the training yeah. ground to prepare for it. They'll travel up Monday. They'll have, they, they, no, he's a, he's he is very firm in his belief of that system. Um, he did change it, which is very unusual. But no, I don't see that as as I'd be shocked if they. Played, started with a flat, flat back four I really would I would start getting concerned if a manager would start changing their yes, beliefs yeah. to the systems after one defeat that yeah. is not something that I think a manager no. should do and I don't, definitely don't think that's the thing that Ryan Lowe would do no. well, you just got to do what, what they've been doing has worked yeah. for, the, for the large part but they need to do it a lot better than they did on Saturday yeah one final question was from Matthew Penny mm. uh, stick with Alex Palmer or change goalkeeper no stick with Alex Palmer he didn't have a great day but no one else did uh, and I also I don't think that sends out a good message. Well, it sounds like he's had a really one, good season. If you have yeah. one bad game, then that means you're dropped. You know, and he, yeah. he, he makes some one on one. He is fantastic most mm. of the time. There's not many keepers I'd say for, that Argyle have had in the last good few years. That Remy Matthews rivals. was good at one on one, but yeah. Alex Palmer's sort of up at that that level where one on one you you're not sat there thinking, oh, this is a goal. So if you're Alex Palmer and you know you've had a good season and you know the fans have a great relationship with him, we we spoke on the podcast before about it's because they played in front of the fans, yeah, they absolutely. have a good relationship. If you were to drop him after that game, confidence would be shot and that is not what I think anyone needs and I don't think that's what Ryan Lee would do. No, he's 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 had a really good season. He's up there for player of the year honours and no I absolutely got faith in him. And as we spoke about many times when a keeper makes a mistake, most of the time it's punished by a goal. That's the unfortunate thing about being a goalkeeper. Yeah it is indeed. Right, chaps. Well, Chris, safe travels up to Salford tomorrow. Stu, well done on getting through the podcast without coughing uh, well, too often. That was I'm a fine stage, achievement. I'm getting to we, a stage now where I've, yeah, <laughs> We won't I mean, mention uh, the fact this is a second take. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, well, anyway, that's all we have time for this week. Jack, Chris, as always, thank you for your company. We'll be back with more of the same next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at HeraldPAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.